Welcome, everybody, to another great episode of Sing Second Sports. I am your host, John Schofield. Joining me is the co-host uh, with the most, Ward Carroll, and uh, our special guest, Bill Wagner. Uh, we are here to deliver you the pregame pod for the SMU game, scheduled to be played as we record this tomorrow on Saturday. Um, but let's do a quick recap of things that have happened um, you know, since our last pod. First of all, it's Mandalorian Day. So if any of you are listening to this pod and watching The Mandalorian, consider your Friday completely awesome. Um, also happening in the sports world, a couple of people getting COVID now. Guys like, I don't know, Trevor Lawrence. He's pretty good. Um, so we'll see how uh, Clemson handles their schedule against BC and possibly a very mega awesome matchup with Notre Dame if Trevor Lawrence has COVID. Um, also getting COVID, a bunch of Wisconsin Badgers, including their quarterback, Graham Mertz. Um, so Wisconsin, Clemson, um, again, cases rising to the largest level as of yesterday, yet in the pandemic. So certainly something to keep an eye on as we go forward. And then finally, cheaters never prosper unless you're A.J. Hinch, who is apparently going to get a job with the Detroit Tigers after serving his one-year suspension for I don't know, being a scumbag and stealing signs. Uh, up next, Alex Cora and you know, maybe Carlos Beltran get jobs too because you know no one should really take the integrity of baseball very seriously, I guess. John, be yeah. careful. AJ Hinge may uh, he may reach out to us and tell us that he doesn't like that scumbag comment. So I, I be know very like, careful. Hey, I, I caveated that. Caveat that. And then finally, I'm gonna pour one out. Um, for a story that really meant a lot to me when it first happened, and uh, it just happened yesterday, and that's the death of Travis Roy. And you don't know the background on this. He was a freshman at BU uh, back in the day, about 25 years ago, 26 years ago. Uh, and 11 seconds into his first collegiate uh, hockey game, he was slammed into the boards and was paralyzed from the neck down. He became a real story or the real foundation for a lot of spinal cord research along with the Bonacani family and people like that. So, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers as people say, although I hate saying that, but really thinking about the Roy family and what Travis Roy meant for the advent of spinal cord research, particularly when it comes to sports injuries. So without any further ado, getting to the expertise that is on the line here, a lot of news leading up to the SMU game. And Bill Wagner, of course, as always, wrote a couple of really good articles in the Capitol, one being about the triple option just not working. We talked about it in the last podcast. Wags kind of fleshed it out a little bit more in the Capitol. Great article. Also, and the one that I really want Wags and Ward to break down is the retirement of Evan Fockman, local favorite, uh, a fantastic young man, uh, played at Spalding and now had to retire due to a series of concussions, and that changes life for Kevin Brennan. So without any further ado, Wags, why don't you kind of break down what you wrote about this, the thought process that went into Evan Fockman's decision, and how you think uh, the SMU game will be changed based on this development. Yet another very important member of the defense from last year that is not part of this year's conversation. 
Yeah, John. Um, well, obviously, Evan Falkman was one of Navy's top returning defenders right there alongside Kevin Brennan, who you mentioned, Diego Fago, and a couple others. But he's a key figure, a key tackler. And that free safety role he plays is very important in the overall scheme of the defense because he calls the defensive signals from the back end. He's sizing things up and telling those in front of him to shift or if he sees something that may alter the play call. So the free safety is a crucial element. Uh, Evan, as we know, plays balls to the wall. And I told him this when I was interviewing him for the article. I said, I respect the way you play the game. You, you're always the hustle, the effort, the determination. He throws his body around, and that's part of why he's had the multiple concussions. Um, he made the right decision, as Coach Niamatololo said. Um, he was waiting. He was in concussion protocol, waiting to be cleared, uh, if he was ever going to be cleared. And uh, they decided, you know, he decided on his own without waiting for the doctors to tell him that he was going to hang up the cleats and uh, he's going to stay around the program as an, a student assistant coach. And this is where I'll throw it over to Ward because really the final arbiter for Evan Falkman is that he wants to be a Navy pilot. And he was concerned. The, I think they told him if he gets another concussion, he will not be accepted into flight school. Naval Aviation Medicine, NAMI. We talk about the NAMI whammy. Um, they, they, are, they are very strict. And if this is his aspiration, then he's smart to make the move. Not to mention what we know uh, from the recent NFL medical studies is this is no joke. You know, multiple concussions, the long-term, uh, what's the word, pathology of having multiple concussions is, is not good. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know it's, a, it's been sort of attributed to early onset Alzheimer's, all kinds of other things. Um, and so I, I think this is as disappointing this is, as this is for Navy football. This is absolutely the right call. It's, it's, it qualifies as a, uh, I'll use, this is a bad pun, but a no-brainer, right? And so I, I support him 100%, and I, I hope that he gets what he wants in, in, in the form of a Naval Aviation for service selection. Uh, for me, WAGS, you know, this is now what? since last year, the, the fifth or sixth kind of high profile member of the defense uh, to exit stage left for myriad reasons. Yeah. What, what do you make of Brian Newberry's job so far uh, kind of working with a makeshift unit, working during COVID doing a bunch of stuff that no one really at when the season ended last year, they thought they'd have to do. Well, you're right, John. I mean, think about it. Uh, at, at the end of last season, Navy was looking forward to a secondary, and I include the outside linebacker position known as striker as part of the secondary because it's a hybrid position, and that person is, you know, oh, they're basically a glorified safety. They're a safety pushed up to the second level of uh, defense, but they thought they were going to have Evan Falkman, Kevin Brennan, Chellen Garns, and Jake Springer, and now they have just Kevin Brennan out of that entire group. So between the transfers and now the loss of Evan Falkman, it has decimated that secondary, and now they're down to using some youngsters. Derek Atwater is a sophomore, is going to see an increased role. Mitt West is now the starter at Rover, as you mentioned. Kevin Brennan got shifted to free safety with that Falkman out. You now have Brennan, who's your most experienced guy, 
at free safety. And now Mitch West is the starter at Rover, which is Kevin Brennan's former position. So, yeah, defense has been depleted, and they're going to have to try to overcome that. And first game up, SMU is uh, not an easy task. No, they'll be put to the test. And and a shout out to a name that you've been writing a lot about uh, here recently, Wags, and that's the Pastrana last name. And not Travis and his incredible jump over the uh, over Ego Alley, but a lot of work done in the Pastrana family. And I mean by Alan Pastrana, uh, Travis's uncle, to build concussion awareness, particularly at the, the grade school and high school levels before they go into college, talking about helmet safety and things like that something very near and dear to uh, Alan Pastrana's heart. And when we say Alan Pastrana, for those of you who don't know, not only uh, Travis's uncle, but world-class athlete, uh, played football at the University of Maryland, uh, was a starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos way back in the day in the early 70s. Nothing to laugh about when it comes to concussions, and we completely support Evan uh, in the decision he made going forward. So as we uh, as we transition here, um, we're going to go right into our alumni segment, and then we're going to do some guest picks. We all know how terrible the, uh, the, the resident Sing Second crew is at picking game outcomes, but we're very happy to be joined today by a member of the alumni uh, of the U.S. Naval Academy, a member of the basketball team in the late 90s, uh, Jeremy Toten, the uh, president and co-founder of a company called Reef Point Group in Annapolis, Local staple, if you go to football game uh, tailgates, you can look for that Reef Points tent. Jeremy, how are you doing? And thank you for joining the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Hey, great, John. Thanks. Uh, happy to be with you guys for today for sure. Real uh, real pleasure. You guys have built quite the following and uh, it's exciting to hear you guys use your platform for a number of things. So happy to be here. Awesome. Well, hey, Totes, um, you know, you and I go way back, uh, but for those who don't know, you were a member of the class of 99 or the class of 2000? I was the class of 2000. Yep. Okay. So, um, yeah, member of the basketball team, member of the team during the last time that they went to the NCAA tournament. We've talked to Mike Heary on this podcast before about that experience uh, Mike, of course, said uh, that he was just the lockdown defender on Vince Carter, basically shut Vince Carter down. No shot in the world of, of Vince ever making an impact on that game. Uh, you know, if you read the box of, of that game, Totes, you had a, you had a three and, and some minutes logged. What was that experience like? What was it like being on the floor with guys like Ed Coda and uh, Anton Jamison, Vince Carter, Maktar Njai, like, gigantic dudes and athletic dudes who were eventually going to play in the league. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was an amazing experience, right? As a kid from small town, Indiana, uh, who only dreamt of that experience in and of itself. It's the reason it's one of the big reasons why I came to the Naval Academy was to have that experience and to get to do that. Uh, and to get to do that in that environment against those guys was pretty special. Uh, I actually blacked out like for like the 30 seconds that I hit the three pointer. Cause all I remember doing is pointing back up to the, like the hundred plus people from Indiana that came to the game uh, as if I had hit the game winning shot. Uh, but make no bones about it. I made it because no one was guarding me at that point in time. So, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the experience was something that I'll never forget. The guys that we were there with together, like Mike uh, and Hassan and, and Ryan Lookabelle, those guys are, uh, are one of a kind. Uh, it's a big reason why we were in that um, in that game to begin with. So it's pretty special. 
uh, I, you know, I hope my kids, you know, have an opportunity to experience something like that for sure. So it's a lot of fun and make no bones about it. Mike, Mike, it's might not have scored, but it had nothing to do with what Mike was doing. I mean, he, he didn't get posterized because he wasn't within 15 feet of the guy whenever he was driving past it. So. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, totes, I'll ask you one more before I throw it over to Ward and Bill Wagner. Um, so for you, you know, you, you went on from the Naval Academy, you were successful in the fleet. And now you've, you've started your own business. You're obviously successful in staying local. What did the athletic mission at the Naval Academy arm you with? What, what were the lessons learned that, that you came away with? Not necessarily from Don DeVoe or, or your, or your teammates, but just the overall physical mission. How, how do you think you rely on it as you continue to go forward and be successful in your career? Yeah, no, it, quite honestly, a lot, right? Because if, I, if, if there's one thing that we've taken a lot of pride in as we've built a team over the last decade, um, it's drawing on like what does it take to really build a successful team over a long period of time? And it's uh, it's understanding the the unique pieces and parts and it's in putting people into positions of success. And that happens on the athletic field, just like it does in a business environment and, and recognizing one's strengths and, and where you can put them in, uh, in a position to succeed is, uh, is a big part of what we do every day. And, uh, and so it's, you know, and, and it's also just the competitive nature, I think, of athletics where you, you never, you're never satisfied with, with what you did, you know, yesterday or last year. It's, it's what are you doing to make this team better today and how can you make this team be better uh, as we continue to move forward. And so it's, it's allowed us to see growth. It's allowed us to be, uh, and, and have, you know, a, a team-like environment. We, we are a very diverse group of people that bring uh, lots of different backgrounds, you know, from, from a skill set, but also just culturally and where people come from the world, uh, both, I mean, former, former military people mixed with people who are not, that never served in the military, but love the mission of serving and being able to provide, um, you know, assistance to a client base that's, that's really, that's, that's really aimed at helping our military and veteran health. So uh, we take great pride in, in, in bringing to bear a lot of the things that we learned on the athletic field. And we have a lot of, of former collegiate athletes of all levels on the team. Super proud of that. Uh, so Jeremy, it, it, the listeners won't see what where you are, but I recognize where you are because Frank Gren is a classmate of mine, um, and I've been in the office there of Reef Point. I was working on an initiative with Pete Anthony. Uh, I don't know if he's still with the organization. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I remember. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we were pretty far down the road to creating, uh, you know, something that kind of got savaged. Uh, by the uh, pandemic, um, to be cryptic about it. Um, and uh, so I think what you're speaking to there in terms of Naval Academy sports, you can open that aperture a bit and just talk about Naval Academy grads networking to great business outcomes. So I'll just, you know, again, Frank Grant is a classmate of mine. Yeah. Frank approached me around Christmas time about this, this thing. Um, and that was very much about leveraging stuff that we did at school and, you know, that sort of thing. So this is the beauty of the constituency that Sing Second, uh, you know, endeavors to appeal to, if, if not serves. Uh, so good on you. And I know that, that Reef Point has a great heart. Um, and, you know, life is long. We'll see if this, uh, you know, the, the investor group can, can you know, uh, come back to the place where we almost were. 
Um, but it's just kind of funny because I'm connecting the dots as we're on the phone. I'm like, hey, I've seen those helmets <laughs> on that bookshelf. Um, yep. So anyway, um, so when you were a mid, I was teaching at the academy and so was John. Um, I was, uh, you know, my last tour, John was just about to make a pivot into the PAO world. Um, so I remember very much the team in those years. Um, we've had coach on the podcast in a previous uh, episode. So what's your forecast going into the season in terms of the number of games, the existence of basketball and, yeah. and how's Navy looking going into uh, this potential season? Right. Well, I, I'll say uh, I, I think it's one, we should have high expectations because we're bringing quite a few guys back. Uh, I think we uh, come off a season where or we had maybe more success than we thought we were going to have. Uh, so I know the guys are excited. I know the coaches are, are equally excited about uh, having an opportunity. I just don't know what kind of opportunity we can expect. I think it's, um, I think everyone's taking lessons learned as, you know, as we've seen some of the other professional uh, sports work. Uh, I think, you know, what, you know, what is the limitation with basketball, the indoor environment? I think it's going to be really hard. If I had, a, you know, I think it's 50-50 that we have a completed season. I will be really upset if we miss yet another March Madness, though. Like, I don't care what kind of longevity of season we have. I just want that environment uh, so much for, the you know, for all the right reasons. Like, it's just it's an iconic sporting event that everybody wants to consume. So, you know, I'm for putting everything on ice or having some some smaller uh, shorter regular season just so that we can have March Madness because we all need it really, really bad. And I hope to see the Nathan Mitchell in the dance this year, right? That's always an, it's always an expectation uh, or at least a fighting chance to get there. So we'll be, I'll certainly be on the, on the front row rooting him on this year for uh, no doubt about it. Well, I'll jump in right there because it has been a long time since Navy won the Patriot League and went to the NCAA tournament. And I posit that things have changed dramatically in the Patriot League since your playing days, which during the Don DeVoe era, Navy was consistently at the top of the Patriot League. And that's why Navy made multiple NCAA tournament appearances during a stretch. Um, but that was before scholarships in the Patriot League. And now the entire league has scholarships except Army and Navy. And the caliber of play in the league, the talent, has risen dramatically and Navy fell behind dramatically. I wonder what you think of Navy's ability to once again be a consistent contender in the Patriot League. I think it can happen, but I think it's going to be few and far between. Maybe if you get a special group of players similar to what Stephanie Pemper did when she had that class of four incredible players and they made multiple NCAA tournament appearances, but women's basketball since has been you know, out of the running and Stephanie Pemper's now out of a job. Just tell me your thoughts on Navy program in the Patriot League. You know, as a guy who played in a, the different era, like you had mentioned, you know, I, I still think that the quality of basketball was, well, I don't know that it's been that much of a departure uh, to what it is today. I think there's maybe more athleticism and size, but uh, but the quality of basketball, I don't know that that's being played by the other teams with scholarships or, or any of that are that much better than what we than what we played with, um, you know, back in the '90s. I think the difference, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, I think it's always been a challenge ever since uh, 
since Coach DeVoe is, you know, his staple of assistant coaches left that really had, um, had really, you know, found a way to find those players that possess something that, that perhaps uh, other schools didn't, that didn't see. And I think dude, you see some of what Kenny and his staff is doing with football uh, and being able to find more of those uh, folks that can, that aren't necessarily being recruited, but have the kind of passionate heart and that and, uh, and competitive nature that we had, because we weren't always the fastest and most athletic, and most athletic when we were winning you know, 20 plus games a year, but we, we had a different style of competitive nature and accountability and leadership on those teams that I think can absolutely be repeated. Uh, it is about finding, like you said, uh, the right blend of group of people who were willing to put team first, but while also possess uh, the kind of athleticism that's required to play in today's basketball uh, You know, I think coach the Chellis has done a pretty good job of finding some talent. I think it's, um, you know, I think as we look across the rest of the league, you know, you know, pound for pound, you know, it, you know, it's it, we have years where we're just as athletic. Uh, I think it's just a matter of of really getting a different mentality and uh, and a, an ability to to really compete on the defensive end uh, and, and and really demonstrate, you know, uh, you know, more more of a team focus, team first. And not that those guys don't argue because they do it. You have seen them in practice, uh, but it's a, it, it's about getting a little bit of success and really being able to maintain some momentum and seeing it through. So I'll take it from there, Jeremy, and let's pivot from your evaluation of basketball to your evaluation of football. Not only were you an athlete and a very good athlete at the Naval Academy, but you've been a great supporter of uh, the Navy football program, you know, out there on Admiral's Row, showing the colors and and attending football games. Um, what's been your evaluation of the season so far? And what do you think we're going to see uh, tomorrow um, or as people are listening to the podcast when it is released today, um, you know, from the SMU game? Right. Well, first, I think I think the environment that these student athletes are, are, are competing in is it's a, it's a real, ch- I can't even imagine being a midshipman right now, nonetheless, uh, you know, a college athlete. I think that, you know, I think that whatever, whatever they're trying to do to be successful, I mean, there, it's just, it, there's so many uphill things that they're fighting against. I'm super proud of them for just being able to compete. I'm super happy for these seniors that they're able to, to play their final year uh, I think they've, you know, they've really, you know, given the circumstances, have really played extremely hard, competed at every step of the way. Um, I think most surprising has been, you know, the balance between, you know, where we've seen some of our our really, you know, big explosive plays coming from the passing game and not the running game, which has been somewhat fun to watch, but somewhat unexpected. Uh, so I'll be anxious to see how that continues to develop. I'm, I know those guys are working their tails off to get better uh, in the trenches because that's where these games are being won and lost. Uh, SMU certainly has some folks that are going to make that a challenge tomorrow. Uh, I like our guys. I like our guys every week. Uh, I like their fight. And I think they're, uh, I think, you know, given the amount of uh, players that we have that are from the Texas area that really relish the opportunity to go home and play uh, in front of family and friends, I think the, I, look, I look for them to show up. Uh, and put a really big spot up tomorrow with a big win against SMU for sure. Oh, I love it. So, um, you know, you've gotten right into our pick segment. So we, we become the college game day uh, desk here. 
Um, you know, I'm kind of the Reese Davis. Uh, Bill Wagner is more of a Desmond Howard because of how fast and fleet he is. Uh, Ward Carroll is most assuredly uh, Lee Corso uh, getting way up there in years. And then Chris is, you know, obviously the bear, um, you know, with the expert over underlines and, uh, you know, and, and, and evaluation of the betting trends. So um, you're our guest picker. You know, you've already said you're going to put on the, uh, the Navy, the Navy headgear in order to make your pick. What's your, what's your thought on a score? Yeah, as much as I, I think it's going to be a, uh, a high scoring. I saw the over underline. I think I'm going to go, I would go above that. I'm going to go uh, 34, 30 Navy. Oh, I love it. I'll, I'll go next before we get to the two resident experts. And then finally, uh, Chris, Jimmy, the Greek, uh, Cervello will make his uh, betting evaluation. My thought, uh, again, I, I really think the Evan Falkman thing is going to adversely affect them. I, I really do think, and you know, as we talked to Dalen Morris earlier in the week, uh, that, that it, everything that Bill Wagner said about the option not really working is true. And I think that teams will continue to um, you know, to exploit that uh, and, and really make them throw. And it's really about whether Michael Cooper and, and all the big wide receivers we've talked about in the past can make an impact in this particular case. I'm afraid they won't. It's a tough roadie. It's a really good team. I think Shane Buchel is phenomenal. Again, you know, I talked about his bloodlines before, you know, it, nothing makes you feel old than when a guy you used to watch play baseball when you were growing up again, now as a kid, who's a starting college quarterback. Uh, but my, my thought is 41, 20, um, SMU. Um, and, and just hopefully we get out of this without any more, uh, injuries and, and certainly no more targeting calls, which is all I'm going to say because those calls piss me off. Um, we'll, we'll send it over to, uh, Bill Wagner and then, or, uh, we'll send it over to Ward Carroll and then Bill Wagner will send us out Ward. So as we know, I don't get into the business of specific numerical prognostication, but the only thing Correct. I will say, the, the only thing I will say about this, this game and, and that team and that, that university is, um, so I'll, I'll give you a little historical perspective. So the difference between World War I and World War II is the way the enemy was, or the loser was treated at the end of it, right? And so the mid-80s death penalty that was levied on SMU was the Treaty of Versailles. And since that time, this football team has played pissed off. And the whole athletic department is, is, has got a, a vendetta happening with the NCAA, with, you know, broadcast networks, with everybody. And so they are playing with a veracity that is substantial. And we've seen it in recent years as they get better and better each year. So th this, is a, this is a team to be reckoned with on a national level. Um, so now I'll just, with that as a context and a backdrop, I'll segue over to Wax. Well, yeah, Ward is right. Uh, SMU has really improved its program of late. Uh, Chad Morris got it started and then he got swept up by Arkansas. And now Sonny Dykes has come in and Sonny's done a really good job with the program. And now uh, two years in a row, they've been nationally ranked. And uh, this is a tough game. It's another high-scoring opponent. You're talking about a team that's averaging over 500 yards per game, scoring close to 40 a game. And uh, I think you're going to have to try to outscore this team. And Navy has not shown that ability yet. Now, Ward mentioned in our 
earlier part of the week, it all could turn around in a hurry. I mean, I'm hopeful that the Navy coaching staff has fixed the triple option this week. Um, I don't know how you do it in one week, but it's possible. Uh, you know, what really struck me when I was writing that article that John referenced about the triple option issues is the fact that Navy is averaging 188 rushing yards per game. This is a program that routinely averages 300 yards of rushing a game or more. Last year, they set a school record averaging 360 rushing yards a game. So that that figure to me is just stunning that Navy is under 200 yards a game rushing. So my prediction is if Navy doesn't rush for over 300 yards in this game, it has no chance. Um, I think SMU at home, night game, uh, under the lights, uh, I, I see SMU winning this game. I think SMU is going to score 42 points, and uh, I don't know what Navy can do. I'm hoping Navy can crack 30, uh, but it, they have not shown that ability yet. True, true. And so from uh, Brent Musburger and Irv Cross, we send it over to Jimmy the Greek for uh, for his evaluation of the line and his prediction. Go ahead, Chris. So actually, before I uh, b- before I do the do the line, um, first off, Ward Carroll gets the analogy of the pod uh, equating Treaty um, of Versailles. The, Damn, Treaty of Versailles. That that is some um, wow. Okay, that, so that and since some, and since my new favorite hobby on the show is to make enemies. Um, I'm not saying that SMU is the third Reich. Okay. So let's just say that. Let's just say that up front. Right. In addition to Ward's analogy, I will second what, what Wag said. If Navy throws the ball more than a dozen times that they will lose uh, in addition to not gaining um, 300 yards or more, if they throw the ball more than 12 times, they, they lose right now. The spread is uh, has SMU favored by 13. Uh, the over is 58 and a half points. So all of you think that this is going to be a high scoring game. I'm going to take Navy with the points. Um, and I think that Navy does um, figure out how to run the triple option. I actually am going to take Navy with the points and the under. I think this is a low scoring game. I think Navy's defense finally shows up. And I think the score is somewhere around 24, 17. Oh, bold. Okay. I love it. So uh, before we take it out, and I'm going to give Wags the last word uh, as we take it out. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. Um, As we go out, explain to our listeners, a great many of which are grads, uh, you know, what, you know, again, what Reef Point Group does and how they can contact you if they need your assistance. Yeah, no, thanks, John. Been great. Had a lot of fun today with you guys. So appreciate the time. Uh, as you had mentioned, Reef Point Group, the name of the company we started 10 years ago. Uh, we've been in, uh, we've been a provider of data analytics and the data sciences to um, we, what began in just healthcare and, and helping our military and veteran health, health systems uh, become more efficient, uh, become uh, better, you know, better experiences for our patients and our providers to, to now being sort of a full enclave of, of not just in healthcare, but across the spectrum, across a number of programs. Uh, both government um, and expanding into commercial where we can, uh, where we can be more impactful, where analytics can be used uh, in a way to, to really help uh, not just performance uh, and cost savings, uh, but really recognizing where things can be optimized and, and, and experiences can be improved. And, and we have a team that's made up of, uh, of engineers, of data scientists, of change management people, 
uh, thought leadership, um, business leaders, everyone that could help our client base uh, understand a vision and the utility of data of, in data science and data analytics. Uh, you know, reefpointgroup.com is our website. Uh, it's actually, we, we are relaunching a, a new website and rebrand a reefpoint group here on 1 November. Uh, super excited to, uh, to have everybody uh, go check out the new website, the new, uh, you know, we're, we're really dedicated to, to empowering, innovating um, uh, our client base and, and look forward to engaging with any and all who are interested in uh, uh, being a part of the ReefPoint group movement. Awesome. Thanks, Jeremy. Obviously, a lot of things coming to a head here at the end of the month. We have the Mandalorian dropping today, Navy SMU on uh, Halloween, and then the ReefPoint group website relaunch on November 1st. And then there's something happening on November 3rd, but I'm not really sure what that is. Hey, so Bill Wagner, I'm going to give you the last word since I know that you've got to bounce out of here soon. Go ahead, and then I will take us out. Well, just looking forward to a big game on Saturday night. I'm bummed that I won't be there. Paper is not sending me to Dallas for this one. So uh, you'll get my commentary on Sunday based on being a television watcher from the couch, just like everybody else. Um, very disappointing. Uh, that's two two road games now that we have not covered. Not a not good, but it's COVID. So uh, we'll just chalk it up to that. Um, I just want to see Navy play competitive ball. And the last thing I'll say on this is this could be an elimination game. Navy's uh, got a loss now in the American Athletic Conference to Houston. You drop another one. Uh, it's hard to make the championship game with two losses when you're losing tiebreakers to other programs that are in the mix, like Houston and SMU. So uh, Navy's goal of winning the American Athletic Conference championship is uh, kind of on the line uh, Saturday night, in my opinion, John. I agree. And we'll be uh, bringing you, as we do every week, uh, a very lively Twitter conversation. Jimmy the Greek and I will uh, join you from Palm Coast, Florida, where I'm sure the drinks will be flowing uh, copiously. Um, and, uh, and we will be, um, we're, we're just excited to, uh, to bring you some updates during the game. So, Hey, John, be before we go out, we did get some feedback uh, from, uh, from a few of our listeners uh, last week, um, you know, that talked about uh, some of the comments that we made about the atmosphere um, in the, uh, in, in the stadium and some of the in-stadium, uh, entertainment. Uh, first of all, we love getting feedback. Uh, we love hearing whether you like what we say, whether you don't like what we say, or whether you think we should do something different. So please keep that feedback coming. I'll just jump in real quick and re uh, reference what Chris is talking about. Um, Ward made some comments about the entertainment on the Jumbotron. And you know what? We're not going to back away from our opinions. That's what we do here. People want us to have strong opinions, and Chris uh, says it in our uh, disclaimer at the end of every pod. These are these opinions are our own and do not reflect the Naval Academy Athletic Association or any other entity. But we do want to be fair and balanced. And the marketing department from NAAA merely said that this is a unique circumstance in the stands at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. The alums, the longtime Navy fans. They're not there. It's only the brigade of midshipmen. So their only uh, explanation is that the entertainment on the Jumbotron is geared towards the midshipmen. And there's going to be hits or misses. And they kind of take that into account. They, you know, see how things, how they people react to certain elements. And if they're not good, they get ditched. So that was the only point Navy marketing made was that the fan content is different. It's only the brigade of midshipmen. And it's not the regular alumni and diehard season ticket holders. And 
entertainment is different when the regular attendance is in play. Very true. And, and I'm one, and as Chris would tell you, as we were longtime uh, Baltimore Orioles ticket season ticket holders, that I, I just don't even like screen entertainment. Like I could do, I could do without like the hot dog race and the kiss cam and all oh, that and all that stuff. Ex- but no, except you, for the crab. I, I know where you're going. Except <laughs> for the crab race. <laughs> you got to have the crab, crab race, and the blue oh, crab has got to win. God. That's no, it. it's the we, crab we shuffle, but it's the hot dog race. Come on, come on. But uh, but yeah, we obviously well, plus everyone. The you got to have the presidents race at, at, at the it, Nats games. Those are that's exactly. that's good entertainment. Yeah. The bratwurst races at Milwaukee, yeah. So it, it's all it's all good. I I know uh, that everyone is doing a really hard job, um, re- working really hard. Jeremy referenced it. We've all referenced it. That COVID is not only hard on the student athletes, but it's hard on the staffs. We've already talked about looking at staffs across the country at Ohio State and Stanford. Not only are teams, not only are schools losing teams, but they're losing staff. Um, and that's just one of the second, third, fourth order effects of COVID. Yeah, yeah depending please. on that. Nothing in my comments was to suggest other than what you just said. You know, exactly. it's just a, and, just, and we knew that. I'm an yeah. end user. Right. I know you knew it, but uh, we're talking yeah. about the other parties, right? Oh, I don't so, care about other um, people. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> I care too much. <laughs> I'm being painted as somebody who does it, and it's bugging me. All right. Okay. I want to be the nice guy of the crew here. Oh, I, I love it. You, you've, I, I'm going to channel my Bono here from Rattle and Hum. You know, am I bugging you? I don't mean to bug you. Um, so, hey, for special guest Jeremy Toten, who we always love seeing. Next time I see you, Jeremy, I hope it's in Navy Marine Corps Stadium parking lot. It's talking about you dropping 30 points in the Navy basketball alumni game on Mike Keery and, and, and Brian Walker and the rest. For Jeremy Toten, for Bill Wagner, and Ward Carroll, and Jimmy the Greek, Christopher Good luck to Navy tomorrow. Beat SMU by 100. I am John Schofield. This is Sing Second Sports out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.